Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Fun fact, the gorilla, <laughs> the Phoenix Sun's gorilla, communicates via sign language. Yeah, yeah. Not, uh, that's a joke there. That, uh, yeah. Do you it's know, know how long it's been the same person that's been the gorilla? Uh, it hasn't been the same person. I'm probably breaking all sorts of rules, but it hasn't been. Really? Were... What? Yeah. What? Yep. Oh, my God, Greg. There... I don't know if I can go out of, get out of bed the rest of the day. There, there was one guy in the 80s and early 90s uh, in the Madhouse on McDowell days. Uh, there was, uh, uh, I think, one or two in the 90s, and then uh, my time with... With the Suns, I saw three different gorillas. Wow, that's honestly really surprising. Having how can you tell? Having well, having worked because I knew the guy in the costume. <laughs> that's how I could tell. And Wait, the, the, the guys goes around without the costume. The guys that do that for a living take it incredibly, incredibly seriously. So I'm really surprised eh, that there's been so much turnover in that position. Well, I, I. I mean, some of it is the the acrobatics that the gorilla is expected to do. Like, like, that takes a toll. I mean, so I always wondered what you know how they showed up to job interviews. Like when you're hiring for the gorilla, do they have homemade gorilla uniforms they wear? Uh, fun fact: the gorilla actually has a uh, an actual job title with the Suns and uh, and stuff, but it isn't the gorilla. So I there, that that I I am really probably breaking. The, the orangutan? I, I honestly don't remember what it is, but it, honestly, this is probably of everything I've divulged Funny, on this it, podcast. Uh, of everything I've divulged on this podcast, this is probably the one that could get me in the most trouble. It's funny <laughs> enough. And, uh, not not long babby impressions or or inside info about trade deadlines of the past or anything. This one's probably the one that I have to tread the lightest on, which is the funniest part because it's a stupid mascot. But I've got to—I'm actually choosing my words carefully when we talk about this. Well, I know with uh, uh, with mascots that I was working with, when they were trying to find uh, open mascot positions, it often uh, involves sending in demo tapes um, of them working, and that sort of was the interview process. Uh, fun fact: uh, I'm not sure if he still is doing it, but the gentleman who was the gorilla when I left the Suns uh, actually was the New Orleans Pelican at one, at one point before he was the Phoenix. Yeah, Suns no, gorilla. it's it's a career thing for him. They take it incredibly the scary seriously. Pelican or the fun pelican? He was both. Yeah. Oh my gosh! There you go. Now I'm, I'm sure probably... they're a brand new person to be the fun pelican. This is probably the one uh, one thing that could get me sued too, if uh, anybody from the Suns <laughs> listens. You might as well just release the person's name. I'm, and gonna, add, why not? I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get sued. Another fun fact: I actually have one of the gorillas' uh, jerseys, or he wears that warm up jacket. But I actually have one of those, a game worn uh, gorilla jacket. Well, it's not too big for you. Oh, I don't wear it. It just uh, it's just in my closet of jerseys and stuff mm-hmm. another thing that probably would get me in trouble uh, that certain people knew that i had that if anybody tries to sue you uh if you ever need a lawyer i'm incredibly well connected with a plethora of lawyers 
So wow, and, yeah, I don't even want to know why. No, I just happen to have a lot of lawyer friends, like a lot of them, and, and a lot of different like facets. It's it's it could be really handy one day. Get Florida lawyers on your case. For hey, you. and we make so much money on this show that my legal fees are covered too. So we're good. Right, right, right. I do this. I do this for you, the fans. <clears throat> Could you imagine actually getting sued because you talked about a mascot in a sports league a, a little too much, divulged a little too much information, and got sued by a team about a mascot? Hopefully they have better things to do, like well, fixing their shitty roster or have you, hiring Have you seen this organization? Office. They don't have better things to do. <laughs> so, be so on Friday night, I, I was really fun. On Friday night, uh, Bob Baum, who has spent 43 years as the AP guy, uh, his career in the last 20 or so um, covering the Phoenix market, he got recognized by the Suns pregame last night and they gave him a signed basketball in a, in a, in a glass box and all that. At, and uh, the announcer, the script that Vince um, had to read over, over the loudspeaker was great because he, there was literally, literally a line in there that said, Bob bomb who never once in his career used an unnamed source for a story, had a wonderful journalistic career. <laughs> and all of us are like, excuse me? <laughs> uh, what Mr. was that meant to be? I mean, Bob was joking about it. He's like, dude, Jerry Colangelo was my unnamed source for about 20 or 15 of those years. But <laughs> the, the F-bomb, the bomber, Bob Bomb, one of my favorite guys. He, uh, I sat next to him on press row for... For two years, and uh, they're not a more entertaining, inadvertently entertaining man than uh, than Bob Bomb. I, I, it's a shame that he's leaving, but I'm glad he gets to uh, go enjoy time with uh, with his family. He was telling me he's gonna go uh, spend time with his grandkids. So yeah, he said he wanted to change his Twitter handle. It's right now um, Bomber PHX Phoenix because he's gonna move out of state. <laughs> And live in a remote area or whatever with a tiny, a tiny town. Is he going to lose that uh, verified check mark if he does? I don't think Bob cares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, Bob doesn't care. But he said, my first thought was to call myself Bomber at rest. But then I thought people would think I was dead. So <laughs> that that's very typical Bob Bomb. Congratulations on a great career, Bob. Yes. And uh, for... Letting the sons insult other uh, other writers while uh, giving you a farewell. So tell you what, Bob, text me or or um, or tweet me if you are listening to this because I would be completely shocked if you knew what podcasts were. So yeah, <laughs> let me know. Bob. The Sun Solar Panel Podcast now available on Spotify. Just search Sun Solar Panel. Now back to three awkward guys talking about the suns. So the trade deadline, uh, we previewed it and spent a couple of weeks talking about it. I know everyone was really excited. It has come and gone. Uh, there were 20 plus trades, which this was a trade deadline in which uh, a lot of people said, there's a lot of buyers, there aren't very many sellers, not a lot's going to happen. It ended up being two days of hysteria on NBA Twitter. Anthony Davis was not moved. Um, my fantasy basketball team is incredibly pissed off about that. Uh, but on a non-Suns perspective, who in the NBA do you think, what team in the NBA, I should say, had the best trade deadline? 
know if I'm going to go with who because that's the way you posed the question to us originally. And it was Jared Dudley. Did you guys watch his Twitter account during during the deadline <laughs> no. and after? That man does not care what he says or who he says it to, and I love it. He was a uh, he was great, and I would actually love to see him. If we're going to go with an inexperienced former player as a general manager for this organization. At least let's make it entertaining. Give me freaking Jared Dudley. Could you imagine him as the Suns GM turning to Twitter? Can't believe XYZ turned down my offer for this guy or really love uh, the way, you know, Anthony Davis plays the game and hint, hint, hint kind of thing. Like, I would love Jared <laughs> Dudley as, as a front office executive uh, much more than the current situation we're in. So, uh, J.D., come back and save us. I was totally thinking the, the inside the NBA guys from TNT taking over the Suns front office. Kenny Smith wants to be a head coach. You've got Charles Barkley. He could be like the the vice president of basketball operations. You'd have to have Ernie Johnson actually bringing some sanity to the to the show, and uh, they could take over the pregame and postgame stuff from Tom and Tom. It'd be and they could make trades in between. It'd be awesome. I, I love those in, inside the NBA guys. So you just you just fired the GM, <laughs> the nope. pregame and postgame guys. I mean, coach. I, Check. The coach, all while not actually answering my question. That was actually really impressive of both of you. To, <laughs> so I'll give I, you my answer because uh, <laughs> we can keep this actually NBA related. Uh, the Houston Rockets for trading Brandon Knight, and Marquise Chris, while somehow adding a uh, competent role player. They and they weren't even the only pairs of guys who were retraded multiple times. I thought that was great. Who were the? Wade Baldwin and somebody else from the from Portland got traded like two times in a week as well. All right, Nick let me go with Nick Skousis, Yeah, let me. All right, let me go with my favorite. My favorite, I think, uh, was Philadelphia, and in a uh, oh, no. potential train wreck kind of way, Philly went all in, gave up everything they had to have uh, potentially a pair of guys who are only going to be there for three months. They're only going to have enough money to re-sign one of them. And they gave up so many assets for just uh, a pair of, of, of tweener forwards with Jimmy Butler and uh, Tobias Harris. And those guys will be great. They will uh, for a few months. But when Philadelphia loses in the second round of the playoffs, at least one of them is leaving for an offer somewhere else. Yeah, but they got Boban, too, which is a win for uh, social media everywhere. Uh, I The real winner, if I'm going to take your question seriously, Tim, and I know that's a rarity, but... <laughs> Uh, I would go with the Boston Celtics being the real winner of the trade deadline because since Anthony Davis wasn't dealt, they now, I think, move to the front of the line of who New Orleans wants New Orleans wants to do business with when it comes to the offseason. And anytime you can get one of the top three players in the game, you become a winner in this. And, uh, and that means uh, LeBron James is probably the loser of the trade deadline because his best opportunity to get Anthony Davis was before the Celtics really had a chance to get involved. I overplayed their hand a little bit. Uh, I thought it was funny in the East, uh, all of a sudden, like, Every team started. Every every team at the top started making moves. So uh, you know, to your point, you had Philadelphia that got Tobias Harris. I'm like, wow, that makes him really good. 
Uh, then you had the Bucks who went out and got Miritich. I'm like, wow, man, that is that is great. Wow, good for them. They're really they're really uh, making sure they uh, put a foothold in. And then the Raptors go and get Mark Gasol. I was like, look at all these teams making moves now that LeBron James is gone. They want yeah. to make it to the finals. These teams oh, LeBron all... James is making moves, too, toward the end of his bench, <sighs> six feet apart from his teammates. Yeah. Well, and did not touching the ball in the final seconds of a game against the Celtics there, well, too. for you, you what it's that? worth, he was being guarded fairly well. It, it's a LeBron freaking LeBron James. James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're uh, letting yourself be guarded if you're guarded fairly well as LeBron James. Uh, it, yeah, it, it was an interesting deadline, though. I, I, the East did get better. I'm not sure. Th- I, the Raptors, I think cosmetically got better but i'm not sure they actually got better i like what the bucks did the most and you know what the, the uh, i think the raptors thing? actually um had got more playoff better than than they were i think definitely marcus all when he can channel his youth for a few games uh is, is going to be tons better than Jonas valanciunas would have better been in the passer I, I think huh? it's a yeah, much better passer i'll keep the offense moving yeah, more options. great path. Exactly. So he'll be he'll be much much better for the for the Raptors in the playoffs. He's just probably not going to make much of a difference in the regular season over what they would have already done record wise. But playoffs, are, they're definitely better off. But you look at the Bucks though, and do you realize that Eric Bledsoe could be the starting point but, guard on a Finals team? That's how good the Bucks seen are. This before when it comes to the Bucks, and and I'm sorry if this is just me being. I've seen this before, but um, we saw Mike Budenholzer take a 60, 62 win team, uh, Hawks team that nobody could, nobody thought could be beaten in the playoffs, and I don't think they got out of the second round that year. Yeah, there's kind of a difference though, Dave. That Hawks team was a bunch of, you know, basically that was a group of five guys who were playing great as a team but nobody was a star uh, that starting lineup was it was uh what was it, it was uh, jeff teague um paul Millsap, paul Millsap, um kyle al horford. horford al horford and if yeah, i remember not, correctly not that exactly. that team was really strong during the first half of the season the second half of the season they they kind of tailed off a bit and then to dave's point went to the second round and uh you know lost but my whole point is the Suns' last actual point guard could be the point guard on an NBA Finals team, and isn't that going to piss anybody else off? No, man, Eric Bledsoe played with... like shit for the Suns. Hey, he wasn't good. This is, look, this oh. is the Eric Bledsoe that also got shown up by Terry Rozier last year, so we don't know how the playoffs are going to go. I, honestly, it's better than what the Suns have had since they got rid of him. Did you guys see my ad? Did you guys see the article I wrote yesterday? No. Okay, no, I have a life, so Dave. I literally, I, I literally, <laughs> and I really appreciate the guys on uh, 98.7, um, Burns and Gambo. They spent 15 minutes talking about my article. Thank you very much, guys. You guys are awesome. Um, <clears throat> so I, I wrote that exactly what you just said, that um, the Suns haven't really had a guy running next to Devin Booker with any talent since Eric Bledsoe, and how bad that's actually been, and how Tyler Johnson, while he is not a great player, He's at least competent, and the only bar he has to cross is to shoot better. Now, don't look at Friday night, but um, (laughs) the only bar he has to cross is to shoot better than 38% from the field, 28% from three-point land, and average more than three-and-a-half assists, and he'll be the best point guard they've had since a happy Eric Bledsoe. Hey, small small sample size. He's not there yet, Dave. (laughs) 
No, but God, <laughs> I, is I know. Enough? I mean, the only the only bar lower is a limbo contest in Mexico. I mean, come on, that is low bar. I think the the only bar lower is the expectations of this show. We've gone almost what twenty minutes, and the closest thing we've talked to Suns is me mentioning Eric Bledsoe and talking about the gorilla, right? <laughs> Well, for, for what it's Bob for Bob. what it's worth, I had about five minutes worth of uh, discussions about the NBA trade line, uh, trade deadline, excuse me, uh, at the very beginning of the episode, and then we were going to go into the Suns, but uh, you know, you hey, guys have a fantastic ability to talk about nothing for why, a long time. That's hey. why you folks are listening to this show. You're not listening for total analysis. We have NBA nerds on other podcasts out there that you can listen to. We're the dudes. You're just like going, oh, what are they going to say next? I want to hang out with these guys and hear uh, Dave uh, act like an old guy, Tim mispronounce things, and Greg just go on ridiculous rants. That's why you're here. He's, you still made yourself sound better than the than the rest of us. God, you're so jeez. <laughs> I actually based that off an iTunes review that we got recently. <laughs> That was exa- almost exactly what it said. So, I, actually, I was nicer to you two guys than that the review was. So. I, I stopped reading the reviews. Please keep leaving them. But I got to tell you, I just I have better things to do with my life. <laughs> Why would they keep leaving them if the if the if the primary host stopped reading? Hey, yeah. I read I read every single one of them, and I find them highly entertaining. And even I the read bad all ones. I comments, and it's great. You know, yes. there there was a point. So I've been podcasting for. I don't know, six or seven years probably at this point, like NBA podcasting. And there was a point in which I really cared about every review and I like read it and I thought, man, what do these people think? Now I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't give a shit, man. They're either going to listen or they aren't. The numbers are good. That's good enough. We're trending upwards. Anyway, uh, we do want to thank a listener because your support is incredibly important to us <laughs> and we value it. <laughs> we want to thank our one listener. And Tim if you're doesn't give a- right now, you're it. Thank Tim. You. Tim doesn't give a crap what you think, but he wants to thank you. No, the listener. So if you're listening right now, thank you. We don't need to name you. No, we do need to name you. So if you want to support the podcast, (laughs) it's really easy to do. Open up the show notes or if you're watching on YouTube right now and there's a little support the podcast uh, button, you can support the podcast for a dollar a month. Uh, If you do the $10 a month option, I will personally send you some sun swag. It might take you a couple of weeks to get it because I don't want to go to the post office all the time. It's a real pain in my dick. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I will go at least once every other week to the post office. So I do need to thank Louis Cicito, uh for doing the $10 options. But Louis, here's the thing. I don't have your address, so you need to hit us up on the Facebook or the Twitter. Send us your address, and I will get some sun swag out to you. So yeah, thank you, Louis. So you. Yep. Because uh, uh, otherwise, I don't know. Tim, you got you, just buy a big roll of stamps, right? Plaster a bunch of them on it, stick the stuff in your mailbox so you don't have to go to the, the post office. Or stamps.com. If you want to be a sponsor of the show, we'll get him <laughs> one of those little, one of those little, uh, you know, the, the wait, scales wait, and, yeah, and he can ship stuff. Sponsoring. I'm proving that we can do it here, Dave. It's naturally integrated. Tim will mention you. If you want to sponsor our show, we would love. It's not the worst thing, but it takes up like my entire lunch break driving down to the post office. I hate the post office. I don't want to spend my lunch break doing it. It's not the end of the world, but I I will send it out. I'm happy to do it. Just go to UPS store down there. They'll take your package too. This might take like, yeah, there are closer ones. Here's the thing. Those are expensive. So there, there is a UPS store that is much closer, much easier to get to, but it is like 15 dollars to send anything 
Stamps.com can fix all your problems. <laughs> At home postage printed from your computer using a postage scale. Stamps.com. You See, know, and, you and wouldn't it be great if we could just show our package to our laptop and it just ships right from us? <laughs> uh, I think you could get in trouble if you show your package to your laptop. I think a lot of people do show <laughs> their packages to their the laptops. Get a pain in the dick then. If you show your if you show your package to your laptop right now, I'm done with the show. All right, forever. <laughs> I'm out. Wait, no. Ah! Okay. <laughs> so the Suns. Are we still in the YouTube version too? Yes, the Suns. The oh Suns. The Suns. The Suns. The uh, we were Spe- texting. Speaking of a pain in the dick, let's go to the Suns. Yes, we were. We were texting uh, while the first and only trade of the Suns happened. Um, you know, and I really thought to myself, maybe we should hop on and do an, a quote unquote emergency podcast talking about talking about it. But then I thought they'll probably make another move. So in 24 hours, the episode will be outdated. Anyway, the Suns ended up trading Ryan Anderson for Tyler Johnson, Wayne Ellington. They bought Wayne Ellington out. Greg was a bit confused on the move. Dave and I liked it a lot more. My immediate takeaways were the Suns replaced an overpriced bench player with an overpriced role player. And uh, James Jones did come out and say that they look at uh, Tyler Johnson being a combo guard who will get plenty of minutes. So, no, they don't look at him as a straight point guard. But to me, it was an upgrade, and they got something for Ryan Anderson. Your guys' thoughts? I'm just super stoked that the Suns have Moe's Schrute on the team. Who? Moe's Schrute. It's an office reference because Tyler Johnson looks like a character. Uh, It's it's Dwight's Mm. cousin, right? Yes. Uh, Dwight's yes. cousin who lives on the farm and doesn't really, yeah, he looks just like him. But anyway, um, I was excited about the Tyler Johnson part because, yes, you've turned Ryan Anderson into a playable player. Um, I still have no idea what the heck would happen with the Wayne Ellington part, but definitely, uh, I, I, like I said, I wrote about it yesterday. The, the bar is low for a playable, good rotation player, and Tyler Johnson has four years in Miami's rotation, and Miami's been a plus 500 team the whole time and have made the playoffs in two of those years and that is more than almost any of these sons guys can say look i have no problem re- with replacing the corpse of ryan anderson with somebody that can play all right i think i i think my opinion on this was misunderstood in that way i think this is a slight upgrade it doesn't really answer any of your questions i reached out to a couple nba people to get a better feel <laughs> on their thoughts on Tyler Johnson, uh, they, it's scrappy kid uh, is is athletic, uh, can shoot at times, uh, not not his strongest suit or strongest uh, character all the time. Not a real point guard. All right, that that's what I got. That that it, he's a kid you're gonna enjoy from his hustle, but he doesn't okay. have strong character. No, 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 not in the shooting isn't his strongest character of his game. Not oh. that he doesn't have skill. strong character and then strongest skill. Correct. Uh, so, OK, I'm fine so with, the, with the player. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but I look at this and now you have 47 million tied up at, at the shooting combo guard spot between him and Devin Booker next year. Right. So now you got. Basically, two shooting guards, a hundred small forwards, no power forward, and no point guard to speak of. This move 
doesn't help you and doesn't necessarily hurt you. It just is. And that's where my problem is. This team got no better. They did not address the major issue here. And then they did something that they've done numerous times this year that actually had an impact on them at the deadline. They just waved a guy who is still very much a, a good player and or a serviceable player in Wayne Ellington. And the reason that they couldn't get in on the Chris Stapps Porzingis move earlier in the week is the simple fact that they had cut guys that were expiring contracts and they didn't have what the Knicks wanted in the end. If you had had Tyson Chandler, <clears throat> if you had kept Trevor Ariza, these kind of things, or or if you had kept, uh, you know, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Austin Rivers. You would have been. You would have had the trade chips to move to make a move to get an Austin Rivers. These Instead, connected. The Suns didn't have those contracts. Yes, but also, can you imagine actually James Jones beating out Mark Cuban for anything? I mean, it still would have happened the way it happened. Well, they the Suns be sitting there with these expiring draft picks, or excuse me, expiring contracts, and have not moved them. And, James and Jones even said it. He goes, "Yeah, those contracts could have helped, but if we didn't end up making the trade, they wouldn't have helped." Yeah, but That's you would great- have at least had the option. I am sick of this. Eh, we can't do it because, well, we're the Suns. Figure it out. And James Jones' inexperience no, we've had, cost we've had, him. We've had the last four years watching Ryan uh, Ryan McDonough holding on to these, these expiring contracts through the trade deadline. And then uh, the p- t- players being pissed off the entire season until then. He finally trades them, and it wasn't worth all the effort. And, and guess what? This team is worse than any of those teams. I don't care about the oh, you could have had a pissed off Tyson this Chandler. This is what Ryan McDonough put together after five years in the jaw. I get it, but it's now James Jones's mess to to fix. And we talked about this at the beginning of the year when he took the job that he should be defined by whether or not he got a point guard in here to make this team any better. And he's done jack with that. He added another small forward and a shooting guard. And as much as I like Kelly Oubre, that is, they did nothing to improve this team. And he's a guy that says he doesn't want to necessarily rely on the draft. And all they've done is put themselves in a position to just have a good draft pick. It makes no sense. None of this makes any sense and it's just frustrating it's it's accumulation it's not the fact that uh, that they didn't necessarily do anything it's the fact uh, it's the fact that now we're sitting here and yes it, it goes into ryan mcdonough's tenure too he's not off the hook here that two years without a serviceable point guard right the hook. <laughs> you, you know it, you put you you put Devin Booker in a crappy position uh, with with having to be the primary ball handler. It, this this thing is is a bigger mess than than we've dealt with. They now have two losing streaks of ten plus games this season. I just I I'm at an utter loss at where we're headed. And I know we've been here before, but we just keep hitting a new rock bottom, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of all of it. Just figure something out. And I'm not sure James Jones is the guy that can. And yet I have a feeling he's going to be the general manager. You know what point of the Suns season we're at right now? Is that it's the first time in my Suns fandom when I look at the schedule and I go, God damn it, the Suns are playing tonight. <laughs> well, and I used to okay. get excited. Now now I'm like, oh, I got to go watch this team lose again. It's not fun anymore. It's not fun. They've been bad for so long. We talked about it at the beginning, uh, before the season started, that this season is not going to be like last season, that this season's going to be better. They're going to be improved. Everything's like we optimistic. We thought there's no way it can be worse. It is worse. 
take a break and let's talk about what were the biggest misses for the Suns on the trade deadline. Before I forget, leading up to the trade deadline, there was a pretty big interview that happened. Um, you had LeVar Ball. His son was not even on the team, but somebody over there in the Suns media decided, you know, we're going to give this guy a mic. Uh, listen to that interview for a bit. No real reason to break it down, but I thought to myself, the Suns have now dodged a bullet because Lonzo wasn't even on the team and LeVar Ball already had a mic. It wasn't. It wasn't one interview. It was two interviews in the same day on was the it? same station. Yeah. The guy, you know, I was rolling laughing. I thought that guy was just. I think he's hilarious, and he knows it on some level. He knows how ridiculous he is, but he still believes himself. Uh, I think uh, it would end up being just the biggest train wreck possible in a good and bad way. Um, well, I guess train wrecks are not good, so it, it would be fun. It would be hysterical if Levar Ball was in this market. It would be distracting, and I don't think the Suns front office has any backbone to be able to handle his constant rant without getting prickly. Um, especially Robert Sarver would have a hard time with just the way LeVar Ball would rant and rant and rant. But he's ultimately just a soccer dad or, or a Little League dad who's constantly fighting for his kids and thinks his kids are the only thing uh, worth playing. And he doesn't understand why other kids play over his kid. I uh, I I was adamant against it when the whole thing started, and by by the the, the, the end, end of, of Wednesday, yeah. yeah, by the end of the second interview, I was like, you know what, screw it. Yeah. You know, Lonzo could be the answer at point guard, and Lavar being part of this would at least give us something to laugh at and and rant about. And I would not want to. I, I would badly want to see him and Robert Sarver locked in a room. So, by the end of it, I, he just beat me into submission. I was like, sure, Lavar, bring bring Jello, bring like the fourteen cousins uh, from the Ball family. <laughs> Jello on the other wing and, and Bello down the middle. Yeah, dude, and, and he was wrong about what positions his sons played when he was talking. It was hilarious. <laughs> well, but and, it would be great and for he's our like, ratings. Oh. He, my my Jello would be the best shooting guard on the Suns. Uh, yeah, you know? <laughs> no, in like, the league. I'm like, hey, bring it on. Have have his wife coach the Mercury. I don't <laughs> care. Just I'm Big fine. Given. I'm in. Don't ruin the Mercury. They've been good. I love how I love how Doug on Doug and Wolf asked him. So why did you teach? Uh, why did you teach uh, Lonzo that shooting style? I mean, how do you get away with letting teaching him that? And he just went on. He's like. Look, man, <clears throat> I taught him how to shoot. He just shoot in his own way. All three boys have a different way to shoot. I, it's not me. It's them. <laughs> I I loved Vince's passive-aggressive nature. You could tell Vince Murata had no no patience for LeVar Ball's BS, and it was amazing. Yet they put him on uh, put him on the show, although that probably wasn't their decision, but still. Uh, I don't think it was Vince's choice. That's no, for no. sure. I, I I think, and I'll, I'll tell you this: if Lonzo ever winds up here, uh, Lavar is going to have a show on that station because I can I can guarantee. Yeah, <laughs> I actually I was <laughs> thinking to myself: is he tanking Lonzo's chance of coming to the Suns by coming on this radio station, saying now the Suns need to get all three of the boys no. on the team no. is he intentionally doing this to make sure that the no. sun's front office is like yeah we don't want to deal with this 
he did he did that with the Lakers. No, yeah, it was weird. It was like he was pouring gasoline on both places and throwing a match in because he was complaining. All three. All three. Oh, oh yeah, this true. <laughs> He's complaining about coaching and and saying things about lebron he's he's saying that you got to bring all three ball boys he said new orleans isn't anywhere his son wants to be right a first refusal now i'm giving the son second refusal he's like he's like the walmart version of rich paul you got rich paul like running this calculated thing to get ad out of out of new orleans and lavar is like oh i can run that same playbook watch this dude how awkward is that for anthony davis right now Sorry, go ahead, Tim. What? I was just saying, how awkward is that for Anthony Davis right now? No, no more awkward than it is for LeBron. <laughs> Rich Paul put him in that spot. <laughs> right. Now Anthony so Davis think, is like, I, I guess I'll secret, play. I think a secret winner of the uh, trade deadline was Dell Demps. Not for being competent at his job because he has had one of the top five best players in the league for the last three years and, and has a terrible team around him worse than what you know it's just that anthony davis is more actualized than devin booker on carrying the team to some wins um but anyway i think del Demps did a really good job of of just trolling and playing the rich pauls and the lakers and all that through the deadline and then just saying no i'm not going to trade anthony davis now he's probably going to end up with egg on his face because this summer danny age is magically not going to put jason tatum on the on the trade list um and then they're and then they're going to end up getting very little for anthony davis ultimately but i thought it was fun to see rich paul twist in the wind del del demps he was actually offered the sun's job before lance blanks and he turned it down yep <laughs> but he actually ultimately hasn't done that much better of a job he just has anthony davis i know but he was their first choice think about that <laughs> <laughs> the long list of the crappy of- choices yeah so it was Dennis Lindsay, right? For the Utah uh, yes. the Utah Jazz guy was also offered. Yes, I believe so. So did the did uh, they just go in through, go down the hallways of the Spurs front office and just offer everybody the job? For years that was the way they handled things. Yeah, and Lance was the only one who opened this door. Yep. So the 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 Suns miss by not taking a swing on Markel Fultz, who was ultimately moved for a protected top five first round protected pick, a second round pick, and a role player in Jonathan Simmons. I thought it was great from the Magic. Magic, they they aren't going to attract anybody in free agency, so you might as well take a swing on a, a guy like Markel Fultz. But are the Suns in the same position? Should they have offered something along those same lines? Uh, I think they might have missed out. It wound up being a lot more than I actually thought Philly was going to get for Fultz. Uh, and I, I think since it was, it's actually Orlando's pick and it's top five protected, it becomes more appealing, obviously, than that Milwaukee pick that uh, that is like the girl that uh, gets around but nobody wants to date. Everybody <laughs> or try to get somebody to commit to that and nobody wants I don't it, even uh, understand it. It's like the Suns get it if it falls between like 13 and 6. <laughs> like I don't oh, yeah. I don't get this pick, man. It's the the most protection you've ever seen in a pick in the oddest way. Like <laughs> I don't uh, but uh so I think that that, uh, it, it, that just made it a little too rich. Could you imagine if the Suns had traded any of the next few years, first-round picks, top five protected for Markel Fultz? Uh, uh, they, we probably would have stormed the castle. Uh, I think it was just a little too rich for uh, for everybody's blood there. I mean, you could take a swing on Markel Fultz because his shoulder hurts too much to swing back. 
but isn't that what we're getting mad at at james jones for for not doing is not making a move not taking a chance not taking a swing on a point guard yeah but you don't i mean you also have to be calculated and i i respect that he didn't just go here's our first round pick for markel fultz you know like that would have been ridiculous i mean yeah exactly it's 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 frustrating that james jones said he had such a boring trade deadline which he talked about on friday he said it was really bo- it was really uh quiet in the offices on the thursday trade deadline day um it's really sad because he said you're not going to be able to make yourselves better in a trade and you're going to have to go to free agency to get good players that's what he said in january just a month and a half ago on Brightside night <clears throat> in our extended interview and yet at the trade deadline the, all the rest of the league was the ones who was clearing space for this summer or making themselves better. They were either clearing space, getting money off their books, so they have more money this summer, or they were making themselves better with with crazy moves like uh, Philadelphia. And the Suns didn't either. They made themselves marginally better with Tyler Johnson. Uh, they got Ryan Anderson off the so they can actually have a player that they want to keep this summer um but at the same time they didn't clear any more space for the free agency that james jones thinks is the only thing he can do well but they now have an expiring contract no but they did well they would have had the expiring contract (laughs) with ryan anderson i'm I'm making somebody i know i know you what what they did was they added four million in salary right jumps in for a 10 minute rant Tim jumped in first. Thank you very much. <laughs> Here's the thing: the, the way I looked at that, Wait, was I wasn't that done. They it's, okay, 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 go. <laughs> now I've lost my train of thought because I took one breath. I can't do a ten minute rant without breathing like Greg can. At, at right. your age, we don't know if that one breath is your last. We just wanted to make sure the show kept going. <laughs> okay. Well, now I've lost my train of thought. Um, so, yeah, and then Friday, somebody asked James Jones, what's James Jones, what's his long-term plan? And he said, it literally, my long-term plan is to make it through the end of this season. Oh, great. So the guy that made decisions about what kind of money you're going to have this offseason doesn't even know if he's going to be here. So he yeah. just went, eh, I don't care. Great. Well, That's his, his, his thing is he wants to not screw up the Suns for when he leaves and then replace him with somebody else. Well, then he probably shouldn't have added four million in salary going into the offseason. Well, you weren't going to get anything else for four million dollars. That's my. Okay, how about this? Uh, Jabari Parker um, ended up being traded no, from the Bulls. No, should not have acquired Jabari Parker. Man, for basically, uh, you know, Auto Auto Porter Suns are the worst rebounding team in the NBA. Offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. I think one of them they're actually 29th, You know, instead of thirtieth. They need a power forward. He was available. You know, could have taken a swing on him, although it's not like they had $20 million in salary to match it anyway. They did. It was called Ryan Anderson. <laughs> no, I, I would not have wanted Jabari Parker. I, I, he's like a, a much worse version of TJ Warren. This, this is the state of the Suns, right? You sit here and you go, what shitty player that other teams don't want could have been a a guy you could take a flyer on and hope you catch lightning in a bottle. That's where we're at. 
We're not talking about why weren't they involved with Anthony Davis or <laughs> or any of these other things. We're talking about could they have breathed life into the corpse of Jabari Parker <laughs> or Mark Elbows? <laughs> like this is where we are. It's bad. Well, we're talking. We're talking about can James? Does James Jones have a long term plan? And we're actually debating that when it's pretty damn obvious. No, hell, right? we're debating if he has a short term plan. Honestly. I don't think he has any plan other than will these checks cash until I get to go work with LeBron or don't Pat Riley. The size of his plan. We already talked about pains in the dick and packages earlier. Oh, I'm. I, you know what? He's got a big one because he's sitting here doing nothing and uh, and screwing the rest of us. So yeah. no, he did. He has turned Trevor Ariza and Ryan Anderson into Kelly Oubre and and Tyler Johnson. Hey, I personally think that's an upgrade. Bring, I, I, dude, I love me some Kelly Oubre. Uh, well, brings me to too, my next again, question. That wasn't some stroke of genius. Let's not. Can we please not act like Kelly Oubre was a stroke of genius? That was it his was an plan accident. Full year, man. That was his plan. <laughs> All right. So, listener question of the episode it comes from Jack Frank on Twitter. He said, "Is Oubre's lack of starting a sign of his lack of future with this team?" No. Igor is desperate to have something predictable, something good coming off the bench. I mean, when you're starting, you can't you can't say for this team that starting is the end all to beat all when they have Dragon Bender doing some starting but only playing 12 minutes. No, it's not about he's not good enough and so they're leaving him on the bench. It's that Igor wants something coming off the bench that he can that can be predictable and repeatable. Yeah, it's it's about they lack talent off the bench and they have a, a wealth of small forwards. So uh, Kelly Oubre actually is a position of honor almost for him to be like, we trust you to try to make this bench serviceable with your energy, your defense and your scoring ability. Hey, he was good on Friday night, man. He was good. And and uh, Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Warriors, did say, and I'm paraphrasing because he, he had a really nice quote, but he basically said, kind of like Greg Popovich did uh, recently, but basically the Suns outplayed the Warriors all night long. It was only our superior talent that, that won the game at the end. <laughs> It was it was it was incredibly predictable. I don't really like to break down individual games on this show because you could be listening four days after the game. So who really cares? But it, it was really competitive up until like the last five minutes of the game. And then the Warriors did what the Warriors do. They got some stops. They hit them some threes. And all of a sudden it was a 15 point game. Yes, that is analysis. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, he was uh, he was good. I would love to see him play like that all season. DeAndre Ayton is still a uh, child. We'll see what happens in the rest of his career. If he stays like this five years in, then this is what we get. But the fact that um, a, a you know a, a sixteen and ten, sixteen and eleven rookie season is disappointing to many people. Thirty double doubles is disappointing to people. I think that shows that he's got a hell of a ceiling, and the dude cares. He tries. He thinks. He's a thinking man. He really – and he's just – he's he's having fun. He's like – he's talking about after the game on Friday night um, that that was the first time he'd played DeMarcus Cousins, and he's just had fun with the fact that he was playing against a DeMarcus Cousins. This is – this is um, obviously you're not going to – he's not a playoff anchor for a team this year. Whether he is at any point in his career is still up for debate. But the dude has so much talent, and he's barely scratching the surface. I'm not going to hold this season against DeAndre Ayton. I put more on Devin Booker's shoulders on this season than I do DeAndre Ayton's. 
Uh, guess what? He doesn't have to be a playoff anchor because they're not anywhere near the playoffs. So that'll work in that first season. But uh, I, I, I don't get it. If if he who shall not be named over in Dallas weren't in the league this year, and and DeAndre Ayton had the same exact season he was ha- having right now, this is a totally different conversation. He's probably hands down rookie of the year. Uh, people are talking about uh, the amazing talent he has and saying what you're saying, Dave, that he's not he's barely scratched the surface and it, it what he's doing is on par with these uh you know with these hall of fame centers from the past and that his stat line's better than anthony davis's was when when he came in his rookie year and nobody notices any of that because of he who shall not be named i just wish he could play he could be that aggressive every game i think if, if he played on friday night like that for three quarters of the game the season uh, the games this season i think that everybody would have a much different opinion of him. We just want to see that fire because to your guys' point, he's so talented, but you just want to see that fire. Of course, the Suns also uh, have a player that, uh, you know, they can't get him the ball. Is there ever going to be a point in which Devin Booker is not injured? I sure hope so. (laughs) If not, that's 158 million that you just burned. Is it is it just me? Or I was thinking, man, I don't remember a time over the last like two and a half seasons when Devin Booker was not injured. I mean, it seems like we're getting to the point where he plays two games, he's out three. <laughs> you know, it's just well, it feels bad, but it really has just been the the um, this season and then the end of last season. He was healthy before that. Um, he's just going through a string of injuries, one uh, one begetting the other, because you're you're compensating, your body is compensating for some other injury, and so you. I think he's he switched hamstrings recently. I'm not really sure which one. I think this one is is not the original sore one, but I could be wrong. Um, he's just, uh, yeah, he did not come into this season in the best shape. He obviously did not have the best off season because he was he was recovering on the hand, but then that shouldn't have stopped him from being in shape from the waist, you know, the the chest down basically. Uh, and I can see why the shooting might be a little off this year, but certainly his conditioning shouldn't have been. Um, definitely he's got to grow from this, but, uh, hope and, and hopefully cause Steph Curry was also extremely injury prone early in his career until he got his team around him got better. And then suddenly he got healthier. Uh, you can only hope that that's the trajectory of Devin Booker. Tim, uh, episode title suggestion based on the way this conversation has gone. The chest down is the way we should, uh, <laughs> what we should call it. But, uh, sons of bitches. <laughs> what, what bothers me uh, it not bothers me, but what I wonder about when we talk about this topic is, and I love these guys, uh, but is the, has the training staff mafia lost their luster? I mean, that used to be what the Suns hung their hat on was the training staff. You heard least games lost uh, to injury. Uh, they rejuvenated Steve Nash and Shaquille O'Neal's careers. This is true. So the veteran uh, guys knew how to actually take care of themselves between the training sessions. So I think a big difference is now these guys are training twenty some year twenty early twenties guys who who don't stick to the program in between when Aaron Nelson is staring you down or Mike Elliott or whoever is whoever's in that training room. Uh, I retract my previous statement and apologize to Aaron Nelson and the crew because. Dave, you bring up a, a great point. It is different to train those veterans that are dedicated to their bodies compared to 20-year-olds that are putting it through Scottsdale evenings. So. Right. <laughs> 
Josh Jackson over his last five games, 22 points, two steals, four assists, two two turnovers. So the uh, assist to turnover ratio has been much better. Five rebounds, shooting 50, uh, around 51% from the field. Uh, it seems like Josh Jackson has turned a corner, and it also seems like the Suns might be a better team when Devin Booker isn't playing. Okay, Josh Jackson first. My, our buddy... Rhett Reese, friend of the show, and I have been debating this one on Twitter because we are on via uh, instant messenger on there, you know, going, it, do we believe in this? Is this is this the real Josh Jackson? It, are we going to buy into it and get the rug pulled out from under us again? I don't know. I mean, ever it seems like the second half of the year is when Josh Jackson has blossomed the last few years. I, I'm just not willing to buy into it yet. I need to see, I need to see extended periods of time with Josh Jackson playing well like this, and uh, I, I'm hesitant to buy in. I think I, I think that's just that uh, PTSD that Suns fans have of everything we've been through. I'm not willing to believe it yet. I think it may be a little fool's gold still. I think this is the Josh Jackson we can get. I think he is this the 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 apex of what we've seen so far. The dude's still just 21 years old, so I don't think we're we're seeing a mirage. I think the mirage is the bad playing Josh Jackson. The problem is that the dude throws darts, <clears throat> shoots, and that's always going to be a career problem. You know, when you hear about a, a major league pitcher throwing darts. Uh, that's usually a compliment. When a basketball player is throwing darts at the rim, then you've got a very small margin for error on on makes or misses. Um, that's always going to be Josh's career. He does not have great touch. Uh, but uh, having having said that, I love the way he plays. I love his aggressiveness. And uh, on both ends of the court, he's going to bring a swagger to a, to a team, a good team. And uh, I think he's going to be a very good player for the rest of his career. Does that mean he's ever going to be better than uh, a really good bench guy at 13, 4, and 4? I don't know. Um, but he's definitely going to be a guy that teams are going to want for sure. I, I like Josh Jackson. I think he's going to be real good. So second part of that, the Suns have been, in my opinion, a lot more entertaining to watch <laughs> without, without Devin Booker on Booker. the floor. Sorry, I was Ken. just going to say there are points in which the offense, it's clear that the Suns need a scorer down the stretch when, when teams really hone in defensively. But overall games have been more, enter more enter entertaining, in my opinion. Well, they've been more entertaining because the entire team just has to <laughs> And, and go for steals and all that but and they did have that big win over denver and they had a win over the kings uh devin booker himself hasn't won a game uh with his team and since early december um so yeah it's a, <clears throat> i think he's learned some bad habits i think over the couple of years of him being the only option uh definitely especially under the earl watson days um with devin booker being the only option and given a clean slate and you do whatever you want on the court and the rest of us will just watch and follow uh, that has taught some Devin Booker some bad habits, and it does look like uh, a very much a, a tunnel vision offense when Booker is, is running the show. But um, are the Suns better without Devin Booker? Absolutely not. Booker just needs to adapt a little bit. Yeah, the dynamic changes when they have Devin Booker on the court. But look, they're still three and twelve without him. It, if they were twelve and three, we could have this conversation. But they suck with him right now, and they suck worse without him. Okay, there it just changes the dynamic, and he's forced into a position where he presses a lot when 
when he's out there now because a he has the pressure of knowing he is the man based on that contract and also they put him in a position where he has to handle the ball a lot and yes he knows that he's probably the best offensive option on his team and so it changes the dynamic, but they're certainly not better without Devin Booker. Uh, what this comes down to is the players around him, the the situation that he's put in, and they need to figure it out going into next year because you're to Dave's point, you're just teaching losing to these guys, in particular Devin Booker. And his default when when you're losing like that is going to be try to do everything I can to make you not lose, right? Right. I mean, he takes over, and you can tell in crunch time when he's got a 75% usage rate. Um, he wants to win games so badly that he's he's basically, his, his, his eyes are going red, and he's not seeing anything else around him when when the crunch time happens. And he just needs to grow out of that. He And what he really needs is to have a player that's better than him on the team that he can look up to, that he can be Robin to for a little bit so he can see what Batman actually plays like. Uh, he needs that because while he's while he continues his career as the only really good player on a really bad team, he's going to get more and more tunnel vision, and that needs to not be the case anymore. Because yeah, there are times at which this this the Bookerless Suns teams are better than the than the teams with Booker on the court, but for the majority of those minutes, they're better with Booker. It's just if they can mesh those together, that would be great. Seeing Kelly Oubre and Josh Jackson and Mikel Bridges all doing their long arm praying mantis kind of stuff uh, is really fun to watch, but it's it's incredibly difficult. And Josh Jackson as well. It's incredibly difficult to sustain because that's all effort, energy, and and luck based. Because they're, every time the Suns are going crazy on defense and doing their Tasmanian devil, devil defense. It's all predicated on the other team not making the perfect passes. But the Suns get killed when, and that's why, in such what looked like a great offensive game, um, or in defensive game on Friday night, they still got killed as soon as the Warriors made a couple open shots. Well, it's tough to argue with Devin Booker's mindset that he wants to take the shot. I mean, if you look, if you look across the board, uh, if you're choosing who you'd want to take the shot 75% of the time, it's Devin Booker. I think I think who gets hurt the most when Devin goes into those uh, into those tunnel vision modes is is DeAndre Ayton probably because uh, you know it, it is very much he's a he's a guy that he has no real option he needs a guy like a Booker to get him the ball uh, and get him involved and that's probably the one that's hurt the most when when he goes into that and I think that'll be something that's learned between Booker and Ayton over time is. Uh, is how to play that two-man game together. And, you know, it, it is the first time that Devin Booker really has had a guy who who is an in, in almost equal, quote-unquote, with him in terms of, uh, of his talent level. And so it's going to take a little time to figure that out. And with the injuries, they haven't been on the court that much uh, together. It, it, you got to keep that into in perspective too that they they haven't had extended periods of time where they're playing together stay tuned <laughs> hi my name is Jared Dilly and you're listening to the solar panel a phoenix sun show maybe we'll get to be positive again soon we're gonna uh, Devin Booker in the three-point contest the he could win something although I'm kind of rooting for Dirk honestly but 
I honestly I could if care Dirk less. That I love. Somebody said I don't even know if Dirk can get all the way around the key in a full minute, <laughs> let alone <laughs> eight thirty the, shots. <laughs> the best uh, the best thing I heard about Devin Booker and the three point contest was somebody asked, should the Suns just start a shooting rack at point guard because it seems to be the only thing that can truly assist Devin Booker real well. Uh, you know, so. Uh, uh, better talent, you know, but I could care less at this point. We've seen him win. We've seen him compete in that and the skills. I don't care until we get somebody competing in that Sunday game. I, I couldn't, I couldn't care less at this point. Look at it. Uh, this team has not had an all-star since Steve Nash. Steve Nash was the last all-star the Phoenix Suns had that, that, that sums up the last 10 years that we've had to deal with with this franchise, and that that's uh, you know great. Devin Booker could win another three point contest, and he'll throw that trophy somewhere, and could care less about it. I mean, some of Tom Chambers' trophies he gave to other people because he couldn't care less about the All Star Saturday stuff. The only trophy there's two trophies I care about when it comes to Devin Booker: championship trophy and MVP trophy. That's it. Right, it's all I care about, you know, with it. So, uh, other than that, great. Good luck to him. I hope it doesn't jack up his shot or his hamstring at all. Uh, let's stay healthy with it. Enjoy the weekend in Charlotte, and uh, let's move on to Zion Watch. <clears throat> Dude, how sad would that be if halfway through the three-point contest, one of those runs, Devin Booker pulls up lame? It would. It would be about the most <laughs> microcosm of. As Suns fan as possible. Well, what about Aiton in the uh, I mean, world game? I mean, honestly, the, the world yeah, game. He'll be in the Rising Stars game. He'll actually get oh, to play against Luca. No, no, no. With Luca. He'll get to play with him. They're on the well, same cool. team. They're international. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Imagine people uh, uh, after Luca feeds Aiton in the post a couple of times. They'll be like, oh, Suns really need a point guard. There'll be a new storyline. They'll be like, oh, they could have. They could have played together. Why didn't we trade for both of them? Which, yeah. you know, would have been a great option. But Yeah. Hey, Igor, I wonder what he brings in all this. Because they bring in this guy that runs this complicated offense and gives him, don't give him somebody to run it. He's got to have being have the hardest time with all of this. The Suns, to, their, or to Igor's credit, I should say, this season, uh, I think they rank 15th uh, in the league in terms of assist percentage. And if I remember correctly, they were... 29th or 30th yep. last season. Uh, so there have no, been no, some marginal. last five years, they've been 30th, even in the Eric Bledsoe heydays. Well, that's not, still... a, not a surprise. Um, Improvement! <laughs> Huzzah! No, I, I, I do. One of these days, if we were if we were coaches, we'd be much better at this. But one of these days, um, I would love to explore, have somebody explore just how much Igor has had to dumb down this offense by having only rookie point guards and journeymen. You know, Isaiah Kanan has been the smartest point guard that Igor's had, and that's really sad because they had to release Isaiah Kanan 15 games into the year because he was so bad. Uh, but Igor has had to scale down, scale down, scale down, scale down. Even Friday night uh, with Tyler Johnson, his first game, Igor said, oh, man, we couldn't even run most of our regular stuff. <laughs> and just two weeks ago, he said he had to completely take out most of his playbook already. So, uh, I, yes, I can imagine Igor has, has gotten a lot older this one year than he has in his previous 19. E- Igor's at the point where he's like, he just rolls the ball and goes, all right, guys, 
go ahead. <laughs> you know, go like that's how how dumb the offense is. Dude, you can see the Suns players on the court like telling each other where to go. Like during games, this is not something you see. <laughs> and this is on the extremely simplified offense too. Right. Unfortunately, that blender offense, the only thing it's blended is the brains of the Suns players because they can't quite grasp it yet. Uh, shout out to Dragon Bender for being a plus 17 uh, with two oh, points wow. on Friday night. Hey, eight plus it's single game plus minus. So Kelly Oubre was the worst and Dragon Bender was the best. I'm sitting on my hut and Bender Actually, Island quite no, depressed second, right now. No, he was best. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah he was. He was second the best. best was the three point scoring Elliot Kobo, according to single game plus minus. Um, Again, all who the- you play with a lot of the time anyway. I've uh, I've called the Coast Guard and asked them to come pick me back up from Bender Island, and uh, I'm awaiting their arrival. <laughs> You're no longer please, camped out there. No, please please send rations. I'm starving. I, you know, I give Bender Dragon a little bit of credit. We got to give him some credit. He made some nice passes on Friday night he in did. the state game. He had five assists, and he could have had more. A couple of them were um, to where the the guy who's passing to drew a, a shooting foul. Um, no, he did he did a real good job being that high screen guy passing to the other big or the cutter. Um, so good on him for that. But man, that dude cannot hit an open shot. Uh, and uh, he overall, Igor just clearly doesn't trust him or he'd play him a lot more minutes. Eighteen percent from three point land this year. But eighteen percent. It's, it's, it's really this is the guy that that Espo would rather have than Rashawn Holmes. And I keep forgetting you, to intro the show with that. Stop! Stop taking that out of context. It was it, without the context of it. It just sounds like I'm crazy, which I am. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm starving to death on this island. Please, please send help. <laughs> I got the only other guy here is Rhett Reese, and he's still got the shrine to shrine to Dragon, and uh, he's you're, lost. You're Rhett on so. Bender Island. You guys are just, yeah, you guys are not going to make it. Nate Duncan territory, where you don't ever want to be wrong on a draft pick. Yeah. Nate <laughs> Duncan, don't get me started. All right. <laughs> Good night, everybody. You just got done listening to the Solar Panel. For more great Suns content, check out the Timeline podcast. For stuff like this. There's no way that Hakeem Olajuwon makes his own pancakes. <laughs> I'm really sorry that you just made a great coherent point and that's all I had to respond with, but it, all it did was lead me to look up the fact that Hakeem Olajuwon made $110 million in his NBA career and God knows how much since then. He easily has someone at his ranch to make his pancakes, right? That's The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. 